0: Hello, I'm Mercedes Stevenson and you're listening to The West Walk. This week on The West Walk, racism, global protests. I am dispatching thousands and thousands of heavily armed soldiers,
1: military personnel and law enforcement officers. Here in Washington DC, the military is now patrolling the streets. Thousands of National Guard troops have been called up and we've seen an increased police presence almost everywhere.
0: And calls for action here at home.
1: I am heartbroken by the killing of George Floyd. We all watch in horror and consternation what's going on in the United States.
2: Pretty words are so much better than vile language so bad that Twitter decides to put a warning that it incites violence.
1: We could immediately have the government act to end the over incarceration of black and indigenous indigenous bodies.
0: For days now, we have been watching marches, protests, and even riots around the globe following the death of George Floyd, a black American man who died while in police custody late last month. Video capturing the incident shows a white police officer kneeling on Floyd's neck as Floyd repeatedly says, I can't breathe, and calls for his mother. Here at home, a call to action to end racism in Canada. Late last week, this video of a Nunavut man being struck by a police vehicle before his arrest sparked outrage. Here's Indigenous Minister Mark Miller on that video.
1: A car door is not a proper police tactic. It's a disgraceful, dehumanizing and violent act. I don't understand how someone dies during a wellness check. I'm pissed. I'm outraged. Um, There needs to be a full accounting of, of what has gone on, this is a pattern that keeps repeating itself.
0: Joining me now is the Minister of Diversity, Inclusion and Youth, Bardish Cheger. Thank you for joining us, Minister. Thank you for having me. You heard the plea from your colleague, Mark Miller, on Parliament Hill. He is extraordinarily upset about the incident with the RCMP in Nunavut, striking a man there with an RCMP vehicle door before arresting him, the death of Chantal Moore, an Indigenous woman in New Brunswick, who was shot and killed by police. These are just two of the multiple incidents we've heard about involving police forces in Canada, and in particular, the RCMP. Do you think that there is a problem
2: with racism in Canadian police forces? I would say when it comes to systemic racism, it exists in Canada. This is something that we not only need to confront, not only something we need to acknowledge, but something we need to take action on, and we need better outcomes. And that's exactly what work I am doing at the Cabinet table. Um, but the video footage that's coming out, yes, as you've said, numerous uh, incidences and very unfortunate, but we need to do something about it.
0: Do you think that there need to be more serious consequences for police officers who engage in these kinds of actions?
2: And in- I'll tell you- a conversation of systemic racism, anti black racism, anti indigenous racism with COVID 19. We've seen uh, the return of the rise of anti Asian racism. Racism exists, and we need to do a deep dive in every single federal department and agency if we really do want to find a stronger way forward, a better way forward.
0: We're one year out from the inquiry into missing and murdered Indigenous women. Uh, Still no reaction on that from the federal government. Uh, You've talked about racism and systemic racism in policing, but nothing has changed at the RCMP, according to the Native Women's Association. So what are the kind of concrete actions that your government is prepared to
2: take? I will tell you that Based on your question and based on what we're hearing, it's clear that a lot more needs to be done. We knew when we were elected in 2015 that the decision-making table needs to be different. We acted when it came to gender. So the GBA being part of the work we were doing was essential, but the GBA plus is where we need to do a lot more work. And that's exactly why when it came to the new appointment process, it was really to ensure that the diversity of Canadians from coast to coast to coast were being reflected at the decision-making table. If the decision-making table is not reflected with Canada's diversity or it's not being informed by lived experiences, we will not have different outcomes. And that's why it's important that we create those opportunities in those spaces for us to listen us to learn and then obviously bring out policies that will have better outcomes. And that's why the anti-racism strategy was informed by black Canadians, by racialized Canadians, so that it would lay a foundation for the way we move forward, because we know that systemic racism is ingrained within our institutions. But, Minister, there are
0: some concrete steps that have been suggested, for example, by NDP leader Jagmeet Singh. Um, are you looking at any of those things like banning racial profiling and policing?
2: And that's exactly it, yes. When it comes to disaggregated data, working with different levels of government, our government has made that commitment. If you look at the immunity task force that was set up uh, in response to COVID-19, we're talking about disaggregated data. We have a, a commitment from provinces and territories to be collecting that information so that we can make decisions based on science and evidence. That is a step in the right direction, but also provides us an opportunity to ensure when it comes to different departments, when it comes to justice, when it comes to public safety, and the list goes on, that this data is being collected so that we can definitely look at the um, suggestions that other leaders are also providing. I will say once again, it will take all of us.
0: Minister, what was your take on the Prime Minister's 21 seconds of silence when he was asked about Donald Trump? It seems to be a very polarizing issue. Some people say, you know, he was he was expressing his disapproval in that silence. Others think he should have said something much stronger.
2: What do you think? I will say that, you know, leadership is essential. But when it comes to racism in Canada, it exists. We need to get our own house in order. And it's not good enough just to be better than other countries. We believe and our values include having an inclusive Canada. And if we want a truly inclusive Canada, then we need to deep di- do a deep dive within our own institutions and make the necessary changes to have better outcomes.
0: Minister, I have to ask you about one of your colleagues, Marwan Tabera. He is a Liberal Member of Parliament. He has been charged with assault break-and-enter, and and criminal harassment. These charges were laid back in April, and we just found out about them
2: on Friday. What do you know about the situation? I understand that it is a developing situation. It's a matter we take very seriously, um, and we will continue to see what comes out of it. I understand that he has a court appearance, and as it is in front of the courts, it's important that uh, the independence of our judicial system do what it needs to do. Was your caucus aware of
0: these charges before Friday?
2: I was not aware. Do you believe you should continue to sit in caucus? These are charges that are very serious. And so I will have to see what takes place before I can really comment any further. Thank you for joining us, Minister. Thank you for taking this uh, situation as seriously as it is. When it comes to anti-Black racism, anti-Indigenous, anti-Asian racism in general, this should not be um, something we take lightly. We need to continue following up on this story so that we see better outcomes and results. I look forward to being available.
0: Thank you for doing that. We'll have you back.
2: Thank you so much. There can't be
0: any tolerance for racism or bias in any police force in Canada racial profiling is unacceptable and our government is absolutely committed to upholding the Canadian Charter of Rights. That was Deputy Prime Minister Chrystia Freeland. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh is calling on the government to do more, to fight racism. What does that mean and what would it look like? Here to explain now is NDP leader Jagmeet Singh. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Singh.
1: My pleasure.
0: Let's start with policing because that's what we were just hearing the deputy prime minister talk about. This week there have been a, a, a very disturbing video that surfaced from Nunavut of a man up there being doored uh, by the RCMP officer who's pulling up to arrest him. He knocks the man down with his door. That has spurred allegations of racism up in Nunavut. We've also heard the story of Chantal Moore, uh, an indigenous woman who was killed by police when they went to do a wellness check on her. Do you think think that we have a problem with racism in the RCMP and in Canadian police forces?
1: Well, let's be very clear. We have a problem with systemic racism at all levels, whether we're talking about policing or we're talking about incarceration, access to justice, education, um, housing, healthcare outcomes. There is clear evidence in all these areas that there is systemic racism. And so that's why I'm calling for really clear policy changes to do something about it. It's not enough to just say, the pretty words, when the Liberal government's in power, they have the ability to do things, real action that would actually improve the lives of people.
0: I know some of the actions that you're calling for on that, an end to racial profiling, uh, an end to the over-policing of the Black and Indigenous communities, and an end to the over-incarceration of Indigenous and Black communities. How do you actually put that into policy, though? Because the federal government could address this with the RCMP, but they can't direct police, and they have no power over municipal forces.
1: Well, they have a lot of power over the federally regulated policing services. So that includes the RCMP, CSIS, Canadian Border Security Agency, and a host of others. And what could be done is a clear mandate, very clearly stating that the racial profiling or carding, which is to arbitrarily detain someone because of who they are, the colour of their skin, without having grounds, needs to be banned. There could be legislation to ban that. Something we push for in Ontario, we're able to get some of the way there with regulation changes that clearly mandated that police should not and could not stop people just because of the color of their skin. That's something that needs to be done. In addition, when it comes to the incarceration rates, that's fully within the federal jurisdiction. We're talking about sentencing provisions, which means those who are Indigenous and Black and people of color are overrepresented in jails. We can change that with sentencing changes that is completely within the federal powers to do.
0: Can you explain what some of those sentencing changes would look like?
1: Well, we know that some of the mandatory minimums have disproportionately impacted those who are racialized, Indigenous people, Black people. So changing those mandatory minimums to give discretion back to judges, ensuring that the discretion includes uh, assessing the systemic racism that exists and ensuring that there is less incarceration but more rehabilitative options, more in-community sentences. There's a host of real concrete changes that can be brought at the criminal justice level At the federal level, because that is what what governs all the sentencing provisions and all the incarceration type of laws, that's very clearly within the federal government's power to do and something I'm asking for the federal government to do, not just restate pretty words, but to actually do something about it. Here are some concrete steps.
0: Uh, Mr. Singh, you were very critical of Prime Minister Trudeau's uh, 21 or 22 second pause heard around the world. You thought that he should have condemned President Trump much more strongly. If you were the Prime Minister, what would you say publicly about the President, realising there could be repercussions for Canada economically and politically?
1: Well, I think it's important to understand that it's not easy to do the right thing. It's difficult. It takes courage. And in certain discussions, when we're discussing trade agreements, maybe there's a time to be strategic and to be careful. But when a president of the United States, Mr. Trump, is saying things like basically calling uh, on war against its own citizens uh, in a way that's defamatory, that's inflammatory, that's divisive, that's basically increasing racism, that's increasing tensions, then there is a responsibility to do the difficult thing and to say, That that Trump, that Mr. Trump's comments are, are irresponsible and reprehensible, that it is wrong to incite anger and to incite hatred, that what a president should be doing is finding ways to bring people together. And that is not what President Trump did. And not only does the Prime Minister of Canada, Prime Minister Trudeau, but all global leaders have a responsibility to call out when something is happening that is so dangerous to people.
0: Mr. Singh, I also want to ask you about COVID 19 and the situation there. You've called for 10 paid sick days. That's something the government has said they're going to try to implement. Parliament is scheduled to raise uh, or to rise, pardon me, for the summer relatively soon now. Uh, Are you confident that you're going to see any kind of a budget or a fiscal accounting before that happens?
1: Well, we're going to continue to use our tools that we have to hold government to account. Uh, Though normally Parliament wouldn't be sitting in the summer, we were able to push for and negotiate some sitting days in the summer to hold the government to account. We've been able to negotiate access to ministers that we've not seen before. And so we're able to ask questions of ministers about budgets, about how much money is being spent, but more importantly about where it's being sent. So we're going to continue to use the tools we have to ensure that we know, you know, if money is being spent on a business, is it going directly to jobs and job creation? If money is being sent to a different sector, what are the accountability measures to ensure that it's actually creating jobs in Canada? So we've got a number of tools. We're going to continue to use them. And on the paid sick leave, while we got the commitment from the government, we're not going to sit back and accept that as good enough. We also want to see it implemented. So we'll continue to put pressure throughout the next sitting days that we have right now and also throughout the summer when we have some sitting days as well.
0: Okay, Mr. Singh, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you very much. I will fight to protect you. I am your president of law and order. I am dispatching thousands and thousands of heavily armed soldiers, military personnel, and law enforcement officers to stop the rioting. The country is crying out for leadership. Leadership that can unite us. Leadership that brings us together. We're going to not allow any president to quiet our voice.
0: President Trump threatened to call in the army last week against protesters as we have watched America burning. Each day, thousands of Americans taking to the streets to demonstrate against racism, inequality, and police brutality. Will there be change ahead for America? Joining me now is Michael Eric Dyson, sociology professor at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C., and the author of the 2018 book, Tears We Cannot Stop, A Sermon to White America. Welcome to the show, Dr. Dyson.
3: Thanks for having me on.
0: Sir, we are watching some very difficult images coming from our southern neighbor. Can you tell Canadians what does it feel like as an American man, as a black American man, to be in the United States experiencing this? How does it make you feel?
3: Uh, Well, it is extraordinarily devastating to see time after time, time and again, Black people on captured on film on recording, on a video recording, being hunted down like an animal. In the case of the young black man in uh, Georgia who was shot by a father and son team, uh, to the young man, Mr. George George Floyd. All along, people said, "Well, you must have done something. You must have said something. You must have provoked the cop." What happened? Now that we have the recordings. We can see that Mr. Floyd did not provoke uh, his own death. He did not get obstreperous or in any way uh, belligerent, and yet he was murdered. So in our instance in America, in this point in our history, as black people, the reason many of us are hitting the streets, many of us are protesting across this nation, not just black people, but many other allies as well, is because this is enough. It is time for us to address this fundamental issue in our society. It's a structural problem, not simply a one of prejudice or bias, though that's real, It's about the underlying conditions of inequality and social injustice that keep black people uh, at odds in American society with those who are the arbiters and the political forces that don't seem to pay attention to our plight and predicament.
0: We have seen extraordinary protests. We have seen America burning, but we've seen protests before when we have seen black men and women die at the hands of police or in police Mm -hmm. custody. Do you believe that this is the moment for America that is different? That this is the awakening that will finally bring change?
3: I do. I think that this has struck a nerve, perhaps because we all saw him crying for his mother. Perhaps we all saw that he was defenseless, begging for his life. And so this was a moment for America to say, nope, we got to end this stuff right now. And it's being picked up all over the world. Why? Precisely because at this particular moment, there has been a determination among masses of people in this country that this must end now. There is no next time. We've got to fix it and we've got to address it right now.
0: What do you think of the president's behavior?
3: Uh, Reprehensible, though representative at the same time. Here's a man who is proud to be unmolested by enlightenment. He's focusing on law and order, reinforcing a militaristic approach uh, from law enforcement and other military forces that are being unleashed um, into the American public square. Uh, He has done nothing but exacerbate an already tenuous situation, and the top levers of government are being pulled by men who are grossly insensitive and lacking in empathy for the ordinary average black citizen. That's a sad state of affairs to know that the leaders of your country don't have the fundamental decency or integrity to address the structural inequalities that prevail and the racist behavior that they continue to fan and flame with their reckless rhetoric.
0: Do you think that that will manifest in change at the ballot box in just a few months' time?
3: I hope and pray so, but I think so, yes. I think enough people will be outraged, although the tragedy is that there are many more um who still adhere to this man's presidency, who still support what he does, who still don't find a problem in what he's done. Well, he might be a racist and he might be fanning the fuel the flames of neo-fascism, but hey, the economy is good. Well the economy ain't good now. The COVID-19 pandemic has eviscerated this economy as it has in many countries. The unemployment rate has swelled and spiked and now his you know predicate and premise for being reelected has all but been eaten away. So hopefully and prayerfully, uh, those of us who are fed up will go to the polls and we'll have a new president in November.
0: Sir, we so often hear up here in Canada as we watch the United States. Well, that's Americans. That's America. It's a different history. It's a different society. It's a different story. What do you say to Canadians about racism right here in our own country?
3: Oh, you got enough going on there. Indigenous people, Métis. You've got. You know, black people in Toronto, for instance, in Ottawa, uh, in places who are being assaulted, uh, who are being disregarded. So just because there's no uh, repeated cyclical uh, flagrant offense, uh, except there is episodically there, uh, doesn't mean that the people of color uh, in Canada are faring any better. And it doesn't mean that Canadians necessarily and automatically have a conscientiousness that doesn't need, need to be amped up, that doesn't need to be interrogated, that the practices of Canada have to be subject to the same kind of scrutiny. So I think all of us would uh, do well to remember that we should be self-introspective, we should reflect upon what our cultures are doing and what the politics allow us to do and then challenge ourselves to live up to the best ideals of our, of our respective countries.
0: When our Prime Minister was asked about President Trump's behaviour, he paused for a full 21 or 22 seconds before he answered that question. Mm-hmm. Some interpreted that pause as making a powerful silent point. Others thought mm-hmm. that he should have come out and blatantly condemned President Trump. What are your thoughts on Prime Minister Trudeau's response?
3: Well, he's in a tough position. He's a world leader. He's got a fellow world leader at stake, but that signifying was powerful. He let us know what he believed. And I think that it is important to signify that way. And at some point, uh, Mr. Trudeau uh, will have to find the backbone and wherewithal to finally say, I've got to cut ties with a man who's been so destructive. He's got to think about the relationship between America and Canada. He's got to think about the vindictiveness of this American president. But at the end of the day, You've got to find your ability to stand strong in the principles uh, that you're willing to give your life for.
0: Dr. Dyson, thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Thank you very kindly for having
0: me. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for listening. For the West Block, I'm Mercedes Stevenson.
1: 911. 911. what's your emergency?
0: Ah! Ah!